Hey guys, this is Deb with Deb Doesn't Know Anything. Thanks for joining us tonight. So I would like to podcast today about something I don't really know. And I would love to know more about and I hope uh, we can share this great information with everyone else. Um, I wrote a short story called This Space. And it really is just about sometimes feeling overwhelmed or feeling deeply saddened. And it's um, it alludes to suicide. It, I, I was not suicidal. So it's just it's this place where, where I think sometimes a lot of us find ourselves. And, um, and luckily, I have been very, very sorry about that. Very lucky to have to, to get out of that space. Um, but I've noticed lately that we, some of us don't make it out of there. Some of us just, it, we just can't, it, it's too much to handle. Um, and if you read the short story, I, um, my simple, basic solution is if you could just be nice, you know, uh, every day, which sometimes can be hard because our days are hard ourselves. And if you could just offer a smile or a nice compliment and and make someone feel better, that might be the turning point um, for someone's day. And, and that dark spot that they may have been in or could have landed in um, will will be turned around. I believe that. Um, it, I, I believe I have been in situations where someone says something just randomly kind and and then you find the brighter things in life and it saddens me to no end to to see that um it almost feels rampant the suicide um and 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 recently it just seems like um you know it's they're highly publicized because they're famous people so i felt it was really important to have a professional speak about this because i really don't know i just make a lot of assumptions, and I have a bunch of opinions. So with us, we have Linda Pusateri, and um, she's going to introduce herself, and then I have a million questions. And the way this works is we'll have this convo, and it's really chill, and she's super great. Um, and if you have any questions, what you can do is just submit them uh, to me via the app. And this might be something that if necessary, we'll have more conversations about if the um, topic expands or we just don't have enough time. So, um, Linda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So, my name is Linda Pusatera, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And I've been practicing for 25 years. So, I've seen that really, really dark place that you're talking about and it's a place that people don't like to to acknowledge even exists in this world right but as far as you know my training I have a master's work in clinical psychology and a master's in social work and I kind of put it all together to make gumbo with a lot of really (laughs) good therapies and really reach out to people who go to that place because I've lost a lot of friends to suicide. Mm. And that is a really tragic loss because there was a person who said, 
um, suicide is a long-term solution for a short-term problem. And that it really is. That individual is Robin Williams, who ended wow. up taking his own life. He which, said that. Yeah, he did. Wow. So I have to give him credit. That that the loss of Robin Williams was very um you know, um everybody, but I I just was floored, you know? And and deeply affected. Yes. Just Yes. Robin Williams. Yeah. Like, but you know, um there are times I guess when people because it ended up where Robin Williams actually had been diagnosed with uh, an or with a neurocognitive disorder called Lewy body's dementia, and what was happening is that he had always had problems with bipolar disorder, and he had become severely depressed. One of the things about Lewy body dementia is that you start having horrible hallucinations. Oh my goodness! And agitations, and he was starting to have this, and I have a feeling that's why he took his his rights. I'm going to use it as your your right to check out because he did not want to deteriorate any further than where he was. But that's not the black space that we're talking about. Right. That's facing something that's basically uh, a very scary thing that he had no control right. over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I make mention in the story, it's like, um, I noticed some people say, well, gosh, he had everything. Why would you do that? He was funny. He was, who would have guessed? And and sometimes maybe that individual has never felt that place or doesn't understand that it does not discriminate depression or anxiety or bipolar disorders or whatever term you're given right. uh, or whatever label whatever you're given. Whatever label you want to stick yeah. on the bottle, yeah. Right. Um, it doesn't discriminate. And if you have been lucky to have not... Um, been privy to it or, or, or been near it or, or been labeled it uh, someone near you might or will mm-hmm. um, and and then you you know you'll have to it's it's a rude it's a rude awakening where you have to kind of assess it's not about stuff it's not about the things you have it is not about the the life you live many people say well was it money was it well there are a lot of things it's a culmination of things you're broke you're sick you're tired you're but it's so deep rooted it's so taboo it seems impossible how how do we even decide for this i mean if i have a broken bone linda mm-hmm. you can see it mm-hmm. if i have cancer there's going to be a black spot and it's going to be visible Correct. and you can how, I don't understand how you guys do what you do. How do you, um, how does the world, when we see someone, um, you know, killing an infant or, or, or someone, I mean, a lot of these mass shootings, it's, it's not a regular it's person. It's <laughs> it's, a, yeah. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of it, I think you're right because there is so much education and there's so many means to getting the word out there about how to recognize depression, how to take and... That's where I was going next, yes. And, and how, you know, what to do when you know somebody's really depressed. And I worked for the Air Force for a while, and that was a big thing because, believe it or not, that is a major problem among military individuals and their families. Is And if you look at the veteran statistics, 
they have a really high number of people who commit suicide. So that's a big thing that they go around the base and talk about. However, it does not get out into public media. It's kind of like when we've had like Anthony Bourdain and right. Kate Spade. Kate Spade. Right. And that was just within a few days of each other. <sighs> that was also another hard one. Right. There's all of a sudden this real focus on, well, you know, how did we know that they were going to do it? So the way that a, per, that a professional, I'm going to just give myself that time right. for right now, <laughs> does this is, is by a lot of dial. Well, first of all, you have to really study a lot and, and have a lot of experience with a person who acts as your mentor and really guides you to understand what's going on in another person. But anyone who sees someone who is shutting down, okay, you know, the, the big signs are this, is withdrawal, sleeping a lot. I'm talking about younger people now, yeah. missing classes, even people who stop going to work, hygiene, people stop taking baths. Right. You know, they're just kind of, or, and then the other thing is the use, excessive use of alcohol or drugs to make yourself feel really numb. Right. Because it hurts. Right. You're in emotional pain. So when you have this emotional pain ongoing, there are very certain receptors in the brain that start releasing neurochemicals. And when they do that, they really control some of your behaviors and control the way you think. And you get deeper and deeper into this well. And you feel like you can't get out. I use the analogy of saying it's a slimy pit and at the bottom, there's it's kind of like in um, in the movie where the guy had the girl in the pit, and you know he was saving her for her skin. You know, uh, it, it's anyway, it's an old movie, but it's kind of like yeah. being at the bottom of the well and having nothing but slime on the side or tar, and you're trying to get out, and you can't and because you can't. it's slimy or it's sticky, and you, you you keep sliding back down. So eventually the person lays in the bottom and does not know what to do. And that's when friends, relatives, therapists, counselors, teachers, you know, church, you know, wherever, should be aware that when they're seeing somebody that they usually see on a regular basis or they get a call from them, all of a sudden they're off the face of the earth or they start giving stuff away, or they just get really quiet and they don't have anything to talk about. Those are all red flags. You know, let's go do something. Let, let, let's just go talk. Thank you for that because, thank you for that because I think that when someone, when someone senses that and they say, no, let's go talk, you say, no, I really don't feel like talking. Well, then I'm coming over. Right. Do you want Chinese or do you want Thai or do you want like I'm coming over? No, I smell like crap. Really, the house is a mess, and it is. You know, it is. It and is and it, you let everything yeah. go. And I say no, 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 no. I'm I'm coming over. I don't care. You know, um, and and it's you're like, oh my god, this com- the empathetic compassion that you have for another human being, which we all need to really cultivate, so that when somebody says no, I don't want to do that, it's like, well, you know. And if they say no, fine. Show up at their house. Right. Knock on the door. Right. Because that may be the difference between them taking a bottle of Drano and drinking it 
Right. Or sitting down with you having time. And talking and through exactly. some things. And all of a sudden, you're distracted and you're no longer thinking about what seemed so impossible. And I like that your suggestion was, look, if you notice someone sliding down, you don't have to go. I, I personally think that you don't need to be you know, blasting it on Facebook, like, hey, are you alive or are you, no. you know, are you dying, whatever. Um, I think that a, a private, you know, um, gracious phone call or a text message or... Conversation. Yeah. Face-to-face, interact. Right, well, at least the first step to get there, right, to have right. this conversation, right, not to blast them. Because then what you, I think, then runs the fear that I'm not going to talk to Irving Schnertz anymore at church because that guy goes and tells everybody, and then they try to do this intervention, and then I end up at the hospital, and I'm with these loonies for three nights, and I was just having a... Then I'm released, and I'm back at square one, and now I feel worse, and now I don't trust Irving Schnertz. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You have another bad day, and guess what? You're no longer telling Irving Schnertz and now you're really withdrawing mm-hmm. and you're not telling other people mm-hmm. and that to me that to me is is very um that's scary it's very scary to know and so so i appreciate that what you say is like just say like no 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 we're going to a movie or let's go let's go to a bookstore or here let me like let's get ice cream what whatever it is that you know they enjoy doing Bring it to them even because they may not feel like getting out of bed. Um, exactly. And instead of, because I have seen this happen, mm-hmm. and, and all it does is alienate people is, I'm calling 911. Mm-hmm. I'm calling the police and they're going to do whatever, check on you. What are they called when they come and do a, like to make sure that you're okay? It's like, like an M- MOT. It's a mobile operation team that comes in and assesses you to see if you are truly a danger to yourself. Right. So I have worked with, with this, team, and these teams are really great. However, I find them very impeding. Because a lot <laughs> yes! of times, because when someone comes to your house and says, are you going to hurt yourself? You know, and, and in the back of your mind, you're like, I would rather check out from life than deal with this shit. Right. And someone's sitting there asking you that, you know, to say... In full garb. Right. And then all these sirens and shit out in your front yard, and you're like, no. And then the next morning, you got to go do the walk of shame to the mailbox or, what you know, walk your dog. And everyone's like, well, what the hell happened to this chick last night? Or why... why? And then they, they decide, okay, well, you're fine. We're not going to take you. Right. And then you're like, well, you know... I, I got them beat, and I've seen people do that because it is not difficult <laughs> to right. kind of answer the questions. And once people have heard it once, they know it every time. Especially like you said, if they get if they're brought into the hospitals, it's a very it's a necessary experience sometimes, but it is very it can be very scaring and very alienating to someone which is why the compassion in reaching out and showing a support system is really important. And something you, you talked about putting it on social media. So just for some statistical things here, there's been a real increase in the rate of suicide among right. especially females and males 
uh, between the ages of 13 to, I believe it is 32. And what they found in the study was that all these people were on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. Right. And the more that they use social media... The higher... The, that's right. The chances The higher were. the... Well, actually, the more they would follow through and the higher the suicide rate. And the basis for this action is that people feel alienated because when they look at Facebook, everybody's having a wonderful time, right? So it's like, well, why wasn't I invited? Now, if you look at the age range, that's from the preteen years, and, you know, everyone has their hormonal craziness during that right. time period. And you're acclimating to who you are. And then even as people get older, because they've grown up with Facebook and Instagram, right. it's still impacting to them. So they're still looking for their group, their niche. Where do they belong? The affirmation, and the validity, the, the exactly, validation. The human contact. And while I think social media can be a great thing, it is serving as a tool of alienation because I find that people don't really converse with each other. And human contact is an important thing because we are all social animals. Right. We, we all need to have someone else that we can turn to, to talk to. And when you get into the dark place where you feel like, nothing's going to go right. That's all you see is the black. Right. Like, what's the point? Why? Why? Where is my value? Where? Where is... And, and, and again, it, you're absolutely right. If, if there is a, there's a group of people that love you and care about you, or if you at least stay in close contact with a few friends, um, you, we can be that person who can pull someone out of the next Because doom. as a therapist, when someone comes in to see me and they're in that dark place and I do an evaluation on them, which is very intense, and at times it can be really painful to the person because I'm asking them questions about themselves and most of the time they don't want to talk about it. And it be, after years of doing this, you kind of go, I know you don't want to talk about this. You really don't. But when you're writing your report, and there's a part that talks about, you know, um, strengths and things that are going to help that person to succeed and weaknesses that's always in a report, you have to really look at, is that person isolated? Or do they have some friends that they at least said one or two people that they're connected to? And that once you begin working with them, you can reach out to them to help pull people together because it's not on the phone and it's not on Facebook. No. It's, and I don't mean talking on the phone. It's not on, you know, like text messaging or yeah, it it needs to be face to face or even FaceTime works well, you know, but human contact is extremely important to us as humans. So sometimes that's the way to get out of the black hole because your thinking becomes distorted. And the, and so I'm not gonna slap a label on that, but the, you know, your thinking becomes one way. And so if you look at the world in terms of black and white, you're moving towards not seeing hope, not seeing light. So there's a number of therapeutic interventions that are commonly used just you know, in face-to-face therapy. And one of them that works really well 
is cognitive behavioral therapy. I've heard a lot about it and how successful it can be. Because the goal of that, you know, is that there's many different ways that it can be used. And now there's lots and lots of different uh, expansions that are based on this older therapy model. But the thing is, is that it really makes you assess. You know, you end up with little lists and it's like you have a homework assignment. And it's like, I want you to go home and, you know, set two goals per day. You know, what are some things that you're going to do? So instead of laying in bed and feeling like you have nothing to do, you've had a chance to express yourself and think, you know, what the world's going on. And then you can take two small goals like, you know, actually eat food three times a day. Right. And maybe, you know, one thing is to make your bed. Go for a walk. Go for a because, yes, physical exercise is extremely important. But like you're saying, a lot of times when people get to that point where they see no hope, you know, going outside becomes a very anxiety-producing thing for them because they're just in this black box. Right. So that's why I'm saying something, you're right, going for a walk is excellent, making your bed, having a pet, getting a plant. I mean, it's just really simple things, but they make a tremendous amount of difference. And with the cognitive behavioral therapy, it helps you to address thinking errors that you have, like the whole world is against me. And then you slowly address those and reframe them in a way which is called more positive self-talk. You learn to stop having the intrusive thoughts that are making you angry at the world. And more than that is angry at yourself. Right. And feeling like you have no self-worth. And then pulling in the you know the thoughts and helping the individual to, it's not brainwash, it's teaching someone. It's right. It's basically a, 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 an, um, an exercise in teaching. And whatever works best for the individual, in my opinion, is what I use. Right. So that's why I said it's gumbo-based therapy <laughs> because there's a lot of different things that are pulled. Well, and once you do your assessment and decipher where your client is at, then you, and, and as they grow and, and see you often, you can adjust it accordingly, which is exactly. a, great, a great way to deal with it. So... Um, Cognitive behavior therapy is something I've heard a lot about, and it is. I do find that it is effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have read enough about it, and, I, and it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's like retraining your brain or mental gymnastics, where you um, kind of it's hard. It's it's a little bit of work if you try to do it by yourself. I, I mean, I have a lot of books that I've read, and um, in and it it's easier to do when you sit with someone and they can look at you and say, no, 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 you're still have this thinking error. Right. Oh, you think you're doing great on your own with your little book. But when you sit with someone, um, it may help. And I, I'm going to go now so far as to say, and it's again, remember I am Hispanic. I'm from a border town. I'm a female. Yeah. And, um, you know, my parents are baby boomers and so let's couple, let's put all those together, add them all up, and seeing a therapist mm-hmm. is taboo. That's for crazy people. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, thank God that I have great open-minded parents. and, and um, But, you know, sometimes 
the village doesn't get it, you know, and you yeah. grow up in a place. But we're, our minds are expanding. We're opening up. We're realizing that we need it, that, our, that maybe our children do need it, or maybe we need it as we're parenting. Or maybe we don't have children and we're single. And we still might. So I'm actually going to say, can't it be helpful for someone to just have a one-on-one, even if it's once a month? I mean, absolutely. like the money you spend on a couple of beers, you could just sit with a therapist and yeah. and just iron out a few things what kind of a difference do you think that would make in somebody's life as they it can make a tremendous amount of difference and you're right the taboo about mental mental health and mental illness and stuff like that is really grossly um distorted and so you know, yeah the, the use of the term psycho crazy mm-hmm. nuts I'm, I mean, I, I try not to use them anymore just because they're, they're so demeaning and they're well, so... If you notice, things are now called behavioral health. Right. So they've kind of changed the name. True, true. They've kind of, they've, they're very much changed the name, but they've also uh, changed a lot of the focus because it's not so much pump the person full of drugs, it's to help them develop different behavioral right. styles so that, you know... To move away from the need for the drugs to 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 be that because I I I didn't mean to interrupt you but I thought about yeah we used to just dump meds down people's throats and and if they wanted to have therapy then fine and then as time passed then they mandated both you know well they really haven't mandated both and I think a lot of times when people go to their physicians. And they tell them, oh, well, I'm not sleeping, and I'm feeling sad most of the time, and I'm fatigued, and I don't feel like getting out of the house. And I'm anxious, I'm nervous, and I'm worried about stuff. The doctor's going to write you a prescription for an antidepressant. Where the doctor, and he's doing his job because it's to fill you with pills. Even the psychiatrists are now medication management in most cases. But what they should be doing is handing out a card for a therapist or a mental health center that that individual can go to. Because as you take medication, it helps you to become more focused and energized so that you can better engage in therapy and it's more successful. And you don't have to stay on the medication forever. It's like it's there until you start feeling better. And so it's like a two-prong attack exactly. there. Exactly. And it's more effective than just waiting for one pill to kick in. And you're, uh, you're addressing two different aspects of the behavioral problem. Right. And, and a lot of times medications are not even necessary. Like you said, a person can come in and, you know, just say, you know, I really am aggravated with this. Or this really irritates me. Or sometimes I just feel so down I don't know what I'm going to do. And when that happens, you know, the person doesn't have to come every week and stuff like that. Once you make sure that they're not a risk to themselves and they have some really healthy things that they're doing to enrich their lives and have, a, have as healthy diversions. But, um, and that's developing things. Because a lot of times people who, like you're saying, are in the black hole... They have kind of lost sight of the roses outside. They've lost right. sight of the grass. They lost sight of the sky. 
they're only and it's not that they're selfish no it's that they they are just cannot see out of that spot and it is impossible to explain to someone who insists that that individual is selfish how could they not think about their children right. what about their parents they everyone in in that writing i pretty much try to explain like look the dead is no longer suffering the the dead person it's right. the, the family who grieves and yeah and so so you know most people say well that sucks that was really inconsiderate well I mean, the way an individual sees that is, listen, we're all going to die. And right now, the way I feel, that's the better option than continuing to feel like this. I'm not justifying suicide. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that is the mind. that I believe that that's how the, the, the mind gets to convincing someone. It, it does, but that's like a thinking loop, okay? Right. It's like, I'm no good, I can't do anything, and then something happens, and that reinforces that thought of, okay, there I go, you know, if something else happens, or I got a speeding ticket, someone hit my car, it's just all bad. Right, you, know, I lost you go my grab job. a bunch of beers, and then you just, and there you go again, and get back into that. And it's like, I lost my job, and, and you know, or I didn't pass in school, and see, everything's just telling me how bad I really am, and the person I really cared for broke up with me, and I don't know what to do, and I don't feel like going out with my friends because it just seems really meaningless. So I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to look at Facebook at everybody who's having a good time and wonder why I was not invited. There's another reason. Right. So it skews your thinking, and that's one of the things why going to a therapist is very helpful, even if there's no medication involved. I'm not saying you have yeah, to do that right. at all. I'm just that was an older model. And we were supposed to have mental health clinics where there was a lot of services to people all over the place when the hospitals closed and that changed. And so, okay, that was what I wanted to segue into next. Yes, ma'am. So, Deborah Montemayor walks in and let's just say she's a realtor and she doesn't have health insurance. She's a cash payer, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So she, you know, gets a, not a reduced rate, but a discounted rate if you pay cash for you know, your medication and stuff. Um, But let's say, I mean, and so I I have a little bit of money to pay for therapy or whatever, but there are some people that really don't. They live paycheck to paycheck or they don't, but they need the help so much so before their world caves in on them. Can you, can you, I mean, and, and I will be happy to post it or if you can think of a few places that someone can walk into mm-hmm. and maybe through a sliding scale or there are services I have heard through Catholic Charities and the Jewish Community Center offer. I think community care is another one too that has multiple services in its own sliding scale. But even um, some of the private, um, privately owned therapy clinics in the area will work with sliding scale and pro bono and they'll have a therapist who that's basically what they're hired for is to work with people and that's something we don't know that's right we don't know because when you go online and you call and you say that you know they say what 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 insurance do you have well it's a hundred dollars an hour Mm -hmm. and you think a hundred dollars an hour i have to pay my mortgage or i have to pay i can't afford that is so sad you know how many times i have heard friends 
who are professional individuals and they are working very hard and they are working through depression, but they say, I cannot afford a therapist. Yes, I do. It's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. And so is there maybe, there should be a general, I mean, if it doesn't exist, someone should create a general national website that someone could access and say, I'm sitting in, you know, Peoria, Illinois. Right. And I like to know if there's someone, you know, at least give, that would be giving, willing to give me 30 minutes every two weeks of a session. Well, they do have the, the suicide hotlines. And I looked at, I had Googled that. And there are a number of them in San Antonio. And there's some of them that are just in the United States. So, the, but the point of that is that... Um, That's an immediate help to however they can refer you okay to community services okay and while i don't have a readily available list of yeah those, we can post agencies, it later yeah and i know that i've often thought of having a, of having a group for free and having people that would be awesome and you know it's like once a week and it can be limited to the number of people because you know groups can run for so long and then they kind of come to a point where it's done and then yeah they should have a start and an end right because it remember cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical dbt is all oriented for short-term intervention it's basically 12 weeks and you're out and that's the way it was designed because it's considered a brief intervention but the thing is is that it helps that person to refocus and get the tools that they need that they can go out and continue to do things and build on what they've learned. And then if they got to come back, they can come back to the group and, and bring the insights of what they have. Right. So you can have like a beginning group, a second group, and a third group sure. eventually. But, you know, that's just something that I speculate about. I need to find an area to have that. and That would be so great. And if we had more practitioners who would do that I or every, I think I'd like to believe that once one starts and, and has success you'll find other people that are just not that they're stuck but they're th- they're I'm sure it's crossed other practitioners minds and they're thinking well how do you start it where do you begin right. like exactly. what what room would I do it in do you do it at a bookstore do you do it in my, right. like a private office what do you do it in like right. where where is it private enough and so well so that's the thing about group is that and in, and in group, it's more of a training exercise, okay? That sounds cool. Whereas in private, everything, well, even in group, everything is supposed to be confidential. However, if you have six people sitting there and they're talking about things, you know, it's difficult at times to build trust. Sure. So you're right. The individual is the is best way to do things right and there's there's also a philosophy and it has nothing to do with greed it has to do with and I remember when I studied this in school I'm like hmm, that kind of makes sense it was like if a person comes to you for therapy even if they give you a dollar you know I'm not asking for it it shows commitment on their part right because they're purchasing your service right so as a provider all right okay so here we are again and because deb doesn't know anything i forgot (laughs) i forgot to put my phone on what was i supposed to put on 
I don't know. It's, not, I don't know. <laughs> it's um, a magic phone. I don't yeah, know. it's like airplane mode doesn't work because then I, I'm not on the internet or whatever. But anyhow, so um, we have had super great information right now, and it's and and I feel I have more and more questions. Uh -huh. But here is something I want to. I'm gonna. I I have this this idea or this concept. I have a friend who lost his wife to suicide mm -hmm. and he's a very dear friend and she, she was doing well. She was fine. She, she, you know, she, she did suffer from depression, but she was just wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, everything was great. The children were great. You know, her business was thriving, her husband, everything was wonderful. And then, um, she took her life in in a, in a in a in a harsh way and and um you know we talked a little bit about how women you said women we earlier women when they take their lives we try to not be messy right and um and this one was messy oh. and um but but it was definitely a suicide mm -hmm. and i remember really wondering like how did that happen? That that just seemed, you know, out of context. And we spoke a little bit, and husband felt like it was hormonal. Mm -hmm. He just knew when she would feel sadder, and it would hit her so hard. And so there's something called PMDD right. um, that that hits some women severely, and we can go through life having no idea that we're going through it, we just get called bitches by our boyfriends exactly. or our loved ones. Like, oh my gosh, she's being a bitch. Or, and it's, it's, but, but it's a real thing. And so the frustration, the anger, the, it's like heightened to this monstrous level that you're not, you're not even the same person. No, that's right. And, and I wonder, Again, by no means am I claiming to diagnose or anything, but some like something like like someone like Kate Spade or a young girl that I know of who was in her twenties who, you know, I think maybe the Instagram and the Facebook and the Snapchat also helped mm -hmm. compel this young girl to take her life. But yeah. but you wonder something like Kate Spade, like could it have been when it when you see as you as you mentioned, women are now it's the numbers are growing higher yes right yes uh-huh could risk. has anybody bought am i just making shit up but has anybody bothered to look into like the hormonal or the 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 like the menstrual cycle that could affect how severely depressed you become you're perfectly normal for two weeks three weeks and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you cannot stand anything your world caves in on you but this is like such a foreign topic to some people like what are you talking about deb what mm -hmm. depression doesn't come like on your period or something like if i'm well, some kind they of obviously don't they don't have one <laughs> or they're lucky to just have a you know menstrual cramps and that's the worst of their problems they have a period once every four months so something like that right yeah, yeah. but mm -hmm. there are some who feel all the ramifications so bad and mm -hmm. and one of them being depression and now you'll find even you will find apps designed mm -hmm. to gauge your cycle right and you get to on that app 
uh, you know, right, if it's a heavy flow, if you're sad, if you're, you know, even if you have a stronger sexual desire and all that, then you start mapping it out. Women are sharing it with their husbands. Mm -hmm. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Because it's actually cognitive behavioral design. So it's mapping and tracking and looking for triggers, like you're saying. But, yes, our hormones, you know, people kind of, you know, all right. But after you've had a child, you know, postpartum depression is a major problem. And a lot of people are like, well, you have this wonderful baby. Why are you depressed? Right. And it's because your body's been turned upside down because of the hormones. So I agree with you. There, there are, like you're saying about the menstrual cycle and keeping track of it and having apps that help you to track it and understand, okay, these are the days that I'm going to fly off the yeah, so And it's like, so leave me alone because I need, gonna I'm going to be in the bathtub or right, I'm going to go work I'm out or whatever. I'm going to do some meditation because meditation is very helpful to center yourself and not feel like the world is a cyclone around you. Right. And that you're in the middle of a tornado and you have no control over anything. So, absolutely. You know, hormones, you know, people people who study anatomy and physiology should know about, I'm saying should. Right. Because, you know, even our neurochemicals, the way that we think, are actually produced in our gut. You know, but they're they're the neurotransmitters that help us to feel happiness, sadness. Um, it's when they talk about dopamine with chocolate or cocaine use. Yeah, it's the the pleasure centers up there. But like you're saying, the hormones definitely have an up down cycle. But we don't hear anything about that. Well, I know. Because who talks about that? I mean, you know, and and I agree with you. There needs to be more, we're going to have like transparency and open discussions. You know, I don't know, I haven't, so in this area, I'm, I haven't really ventured, except I've worked with a number of, of adolescents, like between the age of 12 and 15, and I'll ask them about sex education, and they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, okay, so did you not have sex education class? And they're like, no you know so for a while in school they talked about that so and i know the parents just get really crazy about it and say oh we should be the ones to discuss this and if that's true get all your information that's hard to yeah that's that's a a big goal because it's like if i were to say yeah well i i should be the one that teaches chemistry i will suck so bad and my children (laughs) will fail at chemistry life but so if you're not equipped to teach it appropriately right. um, and know all the information that has to be real. We may think we know everything, but we're not. There, That's that's why people specialize in yeah. certain and, things. And a place to go is it's um, the National Institute of Mental Health, NIMH. Mm-hmm. You can Google that, and there is a ton of information about suicide, about, you know, about things related to your period, about postpartum depression. And after, of course, postpartum depression, we get to our wonderful menopause, which oh, is gosh. another time. Something to look forward when, to. Yeah, it's something <laughs> to look forward to 
when your body is going, I'm not having the estrogen anymore, I don't understand what's going on, and so mood changes and thoughts change and things don't make sense anymore. So at least this real disconnect from what you thought was your body to going, nothing makes sense, but it should. And I'm having hot flashes now and I'm really, I'm really bitchy and I don't know why. And I, and the husband's just like, I'm going to go have another beer, leave me alone. Right. So, you know, that's another time when coming in and talking is a very helpful thing. Just like if you have problems with your menstrual cycle, especially with postpartum depression, because a lot of women, instead of realizing what they have, and, and I'm not saying this about OBGYNs, because they're usually really good at screening them, and the same thing with the nurses, but a lot of times they go undetected. Or misdiagnosed. Or misdiagnosed. And they say, oh, you're bipolar. Or well, you're, or you're, you know, you've got this, that, or the. Well, because think, we also insist on we need to be, we need to know what it's called. We need to know what it's we called. Need a label. Please we give need me a label, label because I, I can't go on like this, and also give me the medication. I, I'm guilty of saying like there must be something wrong. I need to know what it is and whatever medicine I need to take. Let's start it now, and and I have seen misdiagnosis where yes. they just say oh no you're just batshit crazy you know not quite right but you know what i mean you've no, got this DSM-4, no but, okay. but they should throw it, it in there in i think there. it's you batshit know crazy. Some of us. That, that's, a, that's a good descriptor for some people that's an, know, it's um, a you know it might get better pmdd might get get better attention if it's now called batshit crazy exactly you know and that's what they call us anyway she's not batshit crazy oh it's a period okay <laughs> Did leave her alone. But, you know, and then there are other hormones that doctors can, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not going to go into that, but there are things that doctors can prescribe to help women through the period, the right. pre-period, by medications right. that are hormonally based. So, you know, those things need to be discussed with the doctor, but just like with the doctor coming to the therapist, helps you to better define the way that, develop coping skills is the word. Right. You know, develop coping skills of how are you going to best handle that? How are you going to communicate with people without being batshit crazy? Well, I really believe, and I don't mean to interrupt you, I really believe a lot of women have no idea that they're not batshit crazy, they're not bitchy, they're not like, this is an out of their control situation. Right. It is temporary. Right. Although it comes every month. Right. And um, and and it and it's not coincidence. No. But no one, not I'm not saying nobody, but most women are so busy running households and spouses and children jobs. and jobs and stuff that they don't ever stop to think. Wait a minute. This always happens right before this. I always feel more angry, more stressed, more crybaby, more blah, blah, blah. And then they just chalk it up for, oh, it's just PMS. No, 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 no. Some of this is very severe, I think. Yes, and it's it it's not just PMS. No, luckily, some women luckily just have a bar of chocolate and, you right. know, a glass of wine. And all of a sudden they're fine. God bless them because they th- that's great. But there are some women that really are suffering 
and they don't realize that that's not normal. Well, what happens though, like you're saying with suffering, is it, and this goes back to like you were saying about communities don't discuss this, you know, and people don't want to talk about mental health, and people don't want to talk about going to the therapist because there's something wrong with you. But the thing is, is sometimes the person who goes to the therapist is doing the right thing because they're taking care of themselves. They're learning how to be the best person and have the best quality of life that they can have at that time. And yet maybe they feel really bad, but they're going to learn ways to deal with it so they come out stronger. So then when they hit menopause, they're going to go, oh, I remember this. This is from my period days. These are some things I need to do. Right. Right. And then just one last, that's it. I promise one last question. It just popped up. Um, I I don't know how to say this in a tactful way. Let's see. We'll we'll be tactless then. Okay. Do all these kids really need therapy? Should did I do something wrong? Should my children have? I mean, I'd like to think that they're fairly adjusted, but you know, no, not my, no human is perfect. Did I? Should that have been part of child rearing? Should I have had a standing appointment for each of my daughters growing up? Um, I mean, I never saw anything when they were little that, and thank God, I, I mean, it, you know, things like divorce and stuff like that. But I just see so, and I'm like, damn it, did I do this wrong? Did I do this wrong? Because I see some moms like, and I'm not, I, by no means am I, I'm not talking about any particular place, but it's like a, like a common, it's almost like taking them to the doctor or taking, I mean, not, not the doctor, but like, I don't know, to a dental hygienist or to, is, did I miss that part? Should I have done that? Do you think it's good practice? To bring children to therapy? I, well, a lot of children, and, and not even ch- children and adults, one thing that's really a red flag is when they start cutting. Because cutting is a way of self-soothing. But like a six-year-old. It, I mean, I see depends. moms taking ch- little children, like six-year-olds, and I'm thinking, did some, I mean, I'm not, it's not my business. Something impacting must have happened to bring a little six-year-old. Right. Or is it a preventive measure that I forgot to take? I don't think it's a preventive measure as much as if that child is in therapy, then there's probably a behavior going on at home or at school. Okay. Okay. Because usually young children, and I don't know, I'm going to go out here on the limb and say that I've seen children at the age of six with a diagnosis of ADHD and bipolar disorder. No, but yeah, I know. I thought you couldn't bipolar disorder someone until after so many well, that episodes after a certain well, age. No, no, that's, based on the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, fifth edition, I've been through the third, fourth, all the TRs and all the stuff like that. Now it's the fifth edition. <laughs> One of the things that's really important is that a lot of diagnoses and a lot of the things that we're talking about with the depression and anxiety and behaviors that make you feel like you're out of control, you know, hallucinations sometimes, that does not really have onset till about the age of 17 or 18. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't happen until... So to me, a lot of times I I find it disconcerting that we have this entire younger generation pop on Adderall and 
you know, the medications for ADHD, when maybe it's just the fact that at home, and I'm not blaming, and I'm not no, judging. No, they need here, to play ball or a, something. A, I'm just saying that maybe at home the family dynamics needs to be looked at. Because we, we all are products of our environment to some extent. Right. We have our biological context that we're born with, but then we are a product of our life experiences. So to say, if your daughters were just doing fine and they're hunky-dory, then no, you don't just bring them into therapy now when they come home one day and they're like, you know, I really, am, even if they're a teenager, I'm really feeling isolated or I don't feel like I'm sure. anywhere. Sure. You know, then it's like, well, maybe we need to go talk to someone and help. Again, right. it's developing coping skills. It's understanding what's going on. Right. But having worked with a community of children who were taken out of their homes, put out of foster care. Yeah, no, that's because, a whole different yeah, animal. Yeah, they're severely emotionally For sure. Disturbed. However, when your children are growing up, they need to be, they need to see a functional family. Whether it's just a woman, whether it's a couple, whether it's two women, whether it's two men, they need to understand that there's a structure there that, you know, that, that is there to provide them unconditional love. Right. And, you know, positive parenting is important. So, yeah, reading books as a parent is very helpful. And looking for, you know, things that your children may be doing you know, those those may be red flags, but you right. know, just popping people in therapy. Now, like you're saying, a lot of children are referred, but it's usually by the school. Right. Because the school cannot handle them. Well, and, and by no means am I saying, am I discrediting no, no. children that right. and, and, and families and households who really, your parents, and who who really need help. And, and I'm, by no means am I saying, like, oh, my, nobody needs to go. But... I almost felt like, did I did I miss like the the cool kids club where like everybody's sending their children to therapy and mine don't have a, a therapist to go to every week. It was it almost became like a honestly felt like a status quo and yeah, and yeah. the kids hated it. The kids were fine. The kids just like sat through it and probably just bullshit just to get out of that hour and then mm-hmm. and. And I, and and I thought, well, crap. Hindsight of always hindsight. Yeah. And again, like, did did I do this wrong? Well, you know, if your children are having problems dealing with anger, no matter what age they are, if they're having, right, if they're right. having problems where they are ostracized, where they're just loners, right. I call them the hoodie kids. The kids, yeah, with the hoodies. hoodies, and they're under there, and they're looking at their cell phone, and they don't. They don't want to know anything somebody. about anyone. Yeah, you know, maybe they need to go talk to. Somebody. Yes, they're not going to want to. They're going to say, "I'm fine," but when they start working with a therapist, that's part of our job is to kind of take the onion and peel back some of the layers, so that you can really see, you know, there's there's a really lovely person under there who just for some reason is closed off, you know? And then a lot of times, especially with children, the families should be involved because the child is not the only entity. They're usually the identified patient for the rest of a family. In many cases, not always. Right. In many cases. 
Um, you know, sometimes there are many different reasons for behavioral problems in children. Sure. But um, it's far better to take them to a therapist and go, you know, this and this and this is really concerning me and have a therapist work with them once or twice. And I promise you, a therapist is not going to keep you coming back for money purposes. They're going to evaluate the child and go, no, you know, there's really no need here. Or, well, let's work for a month or two. And then, you know, when they meet the goals that have been set and the family is getting along and the child's doing well in school, great. Yeah, move on, yeah. You know, so a lot of it is stigma. And about, back to the thing about the women and the hormones, uh, is that a lot of that stuff women internalize out of shame. Super embarrassing. It, yeah, well, for, yeah, first of all, you know, it's like, oh, she's having a period. And it's like, yes, I'm a woman. I meant It happens. You That's know? how we're so, designed. Here we go. But the thing is, is there's always this internalized shame. Same thing after delivering a child, postpartum depression. The mother feels extremely guilty because she's in the happiest moment of her life, allegedly. And, (laughs) you know, she's sitting there going, I just really want to slit my throat. And it's not that she is significantly depressed at what's going on. It's a lot of it is hormonal and she needs to develop skills, the coping skills, dealing with some unresolved anger she may have, feelings of abandonment. All of a sudden, now she has a tremendous load she's going to carry for 18 years, which is this newborn baby, which is a great thing. Right. And how is it going to affect her marriage? Or if she's not married, how is she going to get along in life? Right, right. So that's where therapy really comes in handy. And I know that you're you're asking about places that are just... We need more mental health centers. We really do. Um, like I said, if you Google... There's a lot of them around San Antonio okay. in the surrounding area. I don't have a list of them. I apologize. I didn't come prepared. That's okay. But um, the point is, is to get on your phone and call and ask. Because it costs nothing to ask. But the payoff is great. Because you will feel when you work. Because therapy is work. It's not just that you go sit there and talk for an hour. You talk, but then... You, you have, have a lot of processing to do once you leave. Exactly. And, and you, even before you go in, mm-hmm. there's a lot of processing right. to say, like, what what impacting thing happened that has to be discussed that I need to bring to the table that I could have done differently or better or what have you. How am I going to have the best quality of life and be the best person I can be That's it. at this time? Right. Because... It's not so much right or wrong. It has to do with centering, acclimation, and acceptance. And when you do that, then like you're saying, and that was beautiful in what you wrote about the smile and things like that, because just a smile can make the difference between a person going home and swallowing a bottle of Tylenol and stopping and going, you know, people aren't that bad after all. And the world is not such a bad place. Right. I, I, I think that I've been really lucky. And I think if you, we begin to pay more attention to all the smiles we receive and begin to pay them forward. And I con- yeah, pay it forward. Eye contact, smiles, opening the door, 
saying please and thank you. Acknowledging another human being yeah. in the room. Those kinds of it, things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Right. Are you doing okay today? Even if you're walking down the hall, because it's like, what harm is done? Is the person going to think you're not? Well, no, you're being friendly. Right. Well, and they might think you're nuts, but you can't really care. Well, you can't really true. care. Be- it's, you know, can you care about what the whole world thinks about you? Some of us do, but then after a while, it gets so tiresome that you just stop caring. You don't really care about what the whole world thinks. Well, that's right, because you're carrying an irrational belief system on your shoulders. Because the only person that you really need to be true to is yourself and the people that you love. So it's self, it's not selfishness, it's self love instead of loathing. Because our society right now has gotten to the point of a lot of hate and discourse. And that is frightening. You know, when all of a sudden tolerance is becoming intolerance and it's confusing. So I'm not going to get into the whole world thing. Yeah. You know, that's just food for thought. So. Well, thank you so much. And um, if I, I will, I know I will have questions. Um, We might. If you're willing to do this again, I would love to. And we'd have a different topic, probably. Absolutely. And um, if you do come up with that group, and yeah. I can be of help, or I can kind of figure out where. Um, Thank you. That would be... I would like to make that happen. Um, we could create a meetup, even, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, see if that, you know, it, it, it can't hurt. It can't hurt to try. Right. And... Um, if there's anybody that wants to reach out to you, um, do you recommend I send them your email or how? Yes, would... you, can, okay. you can send them my um, my email. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank That's you cool. so much. This thank was awesome. You. I, I so yeah, I, I'm obviously a talker. But I appreciate the You need to be. That's what we do on podcasts. Well, that's the thing is spread the word. It's all cool and okay and let's reach out. Right. Thank you you. for listening. Well, and thank you for being on the show. Okay. Hey, guys. It is Deb again. Hope you guys are doing well. Today's edition is um, a little odd because I'm actually not asking questions. I'm sitting here with Thomas from the Evolve Marketing Firm. And... He's asking me questions. So, Thomas, welcome, and uh, knock yourself out. All right, take it away from here. Well, thank you for having me on your podcast today. And something that maybe some of your listeners are not aware of is that you just got back from a trip to Sicily, right? I did. Okay, so I'm trying to picture how you ended up in Sicily because we were having coffee a couple weeks before and I distinctly remember we were just chit-chatting out of the blue you just said oh, I'm gonna go to Sicily and I just thought okay that, that's a dev thing to do of course she's gonna go to Sicily out of the blue so it, it totally made sense to me but um, I didn't know if you know if you were like seriously gonna do it like in the next week or two and then you ended up doing it so I'm just curious why did you end up going to Sicily so I don't know. My brother sent me a link from a CNN article about a town in Sicily selling homes for one euro. And that didn't sound a little shady to you? Very shady. Okay. But I always chase the shade. (laughs) (laughs) No, it just, I mean, I've heard of it. And Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, I did have a friend 
of mine who she lives in Rome and, and uh, she confirmed that it's a thing. Um, naturally, they're not one euro. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bidding process and it's more than a euro. Um, either way, I thought it would be a good investment and I have a plenty of investors that would um, maybe consider doing something like this. I just knew that it was something I was going to have to do on my own and come back with uh, some information. Okay, so you heard about this cool opportunity and you decide, okay, I'm going to go to Sicily myself and check it out. How did you How did you even broach this with you know, potential investors? Because again, like, I'm trying to picture how I would go to somebody and say, hey, I got this cool Italian villa. It's only going to cost you one euro to to bid on this. And yeah, I swear it's a legit deal. So how did you even approach that I didn't subject? approach anybody. Okay. I just went because I knew I couldn't. I knew that that most of my investors are real estate investors. They're very conservative and they like to know ROIs and they need to understand numbers. So there was no way on earth I could produce that information. So I was going to have to hustle and sell a bunch of furniture. There was a major spike in my production. (laughs) I worked like a fiend. I sold all kinds of furniture so I could pay for the flight. My older brother helped me um, pay for it. And then I flew out there. Um, Where'd you fly from? I flew from Austin. And here's a little tip. Uh, travel, travel tips with Deborah. Listen, tips. listen up, everyone. <laughs> if you fly from Austin to London to Gatwick, mm-hmm. you can get a flight under five hundred dollars round trip. Just FYI. See, that's insane because I've paid six to eight hundred dollars for a flight to Philly, or right, and, or DC, or whatever. Right. So, but you're saying all the way, to, all the way to London, all the way to London, right? And wow. people assume like, oh my God, she must be loaded because she's going to Europe all the time. Well, no, <laughs> I just am cheap, and so I found that flight. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there are the, I call them jumpers, but they're like short flights that you take from there. Like, so from London to Palermo, mm-hmm. the island of, of Sicily, it was like a $60 trip. And were there like chickens in cages on this No, plane? no, no, oh, okay. no. It's, so it's, right, a, it's, it's a real like, plane? Okay. It's like the Southwest Airlines of Europe, if you will. Okay, so you're right. And so it's called Ryanair or... Okay. I forget what the other one is. It's like an orange brand, orange branding. I forget what it's called. Cheap flights or... You could die, or I don't know. Oh, <laughs> so the, the Greyhound bus of the sky, okay. something like that. But, but Ryanair is always great. So, like, if you decide you're bored with that town or you want to go mm-hmm. somewhere else, just go and go to Ryanair, and you can buy a flight for fifty bucks and go anywhere on the continent. Oh, wow. Okay. So now you so you end up in uh, Sicily, and do you do you even speak Italian? Um, in the most brutal, horrible way. I yeah, I can kind of get away with. Okay. A few words, but luckily I speak Spanish and I, I can, yeah, I think yeah, you I can, can speak Italian. I yeah. can, yeah, for sure. It's like I Tex-Mex, mean, right? I mean, they understood me. I don't know. <laughs> or they pretended. Okay. So, okay. So they're being sweet. And uh, no, cause I, I know like, I could, I could not, model, well, I mean, I went to Europe. Um, when I was in college and I was able to get through Italy okay because I knew some Spanish I mean and my Spanish was rudimentary but then I went to other countries like Germany where you can't yeah, you're figure fucked. yeah because everybody sounds like they're cursing at you and yelling yeah but, just, um, just smile and nod yeah nod and smile that's, that's really all I do in life so the, <laughs> see, what time what time did you land and like what was the first what was the first thing you did when you, when you got there um, I landed in Palermo late at night it was like nine something and uh, I was really lucky that I had a driver um, from the city of Sambuca come pick me up. So it was really cute. He had my name um, huh. on a sign so waiting Monte for me. Mayor. Yes, 
Del I, lo- I love de saying Mayor. I love saying yeah. last name. And I was like, damn, I feel so special. <laughs> and he even had a swanky car. And so I felt like BAP, like, let's go. So nice. Turned out to be the mayor's brother. And we had oh, a wow. great... Now, was that planned? Was that like, Did you know it was the mayor's brother? No, okay. but I'm sure they planned it. Right. You know how that goes. It's all part of the So they knew they school. knew you were coming for the like to, to bed or to look I at mean, it. I mean, they all knew I was coming. He, the the driver acted like he had no clue. Oh, okay. But I think uh, whatever. Or right. maybe he really didn't have a clue. He just drives. I right. don't know. Um, there was a part of me Thomas, that was really a little bit cynical about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge dreamer. Right. And I know when I told my dad about this, he laughed and he said in Spanish, Comprate calzones primero. You know what that means? No. Buy yourself panties first. (laughs) Okay. You got to start somewhere. (laughs) So we call him a dream killer. (laughs) But I went anyway. Yeah. And I had panties, so... So you're good both Screw ways, guy, yeah. Right? <laughs> no, but like I said, like, when you, when you told me about this, I was like, well, yeah, it sounds crazazy, but that's cool. That's, that's Deborah, And, you know, it, it just it made sense to me. And I, But, of course, I remember thinking, too, yeah, I, I'd, I'd go to Sicily and check that out, too, so... Yeah, but that's a total Mexi dad response, yeah. right? And yeah, well, Mexican dads don't think anybody can do anything. I know, so. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And, it, I mean, there was some truth to it. There, I, I didn't have a, a real big budget to be taking right. these kinds of trips, but mm-hmm. I... You know, I had a, like, I really needed to be there. So, right. um, like I said, I got picked up and um, the, the ride back was a difficult ride because there was this communication thing. Like, he didn't speak a lick of English and, oh, I, okay. and, and I hadn't even begun to try to speak Italian. So, it started in that car ride and there was a shit ton of charades going on. Oh, God. I was acting, making bird sounds, like, like whatever, <laughs> whatever I could do to um, get, like, to communicate. He was very sweet. Right. Um, I got do- dropped off at the San Giovanni, and mm. that hotel is absolutely amazing. They offer the best service. They were very accommodating, and I highly recommend it. It's not in the town, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter because they'll totally drop what they're doing and drive you into town, which is about a few minutes' drive. So was this like countryside you were driving through, or was it city? Um, City to get out of Palermo, and then it was beautiful countryside. Oh, wow. Did it remind you of The Godfather? Oh, my God. I felt like I was in a movie. Like, I heard the tune in my head when you told me Sicily, and I was like, oh, man. I know. Call the dawn. (laughs) No, it was... It, it really and I love mafia Italian mafia movies so much like I, I'm, I'm a big fan so maybe that's why I wanted to go to Sicily but I, I uh, yeah for sure and not in a bad sense I don't mean to say I think that there's a lot of apprehension mm-hmm. there about yeah. discussion of that because it, it's like a dark right like stamp on their history yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of cool but the know, movie I'm, shows a really beautiful atmosphere like like the town it's gorgeous. itself yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said I was very uh, cynical because I felt like it was fake Mm-hmm. Because it was so adorable. Like, it was so... It was stuck in the old world that mm-hmm. I didn't... I couldn't believe that it was... Like, that, that people still... And I don't mean this in a bad way, mm-hmm. but they're still living, like, with their clothes hanging out to dry. Right. Like, outside. Yeah. You know? Like, no But that's kind of, like, the majesty and, like, I think, like, the nostalgia of a lot of European cities anyway. It's, like, it's kind of like the old and the, and the new kind of blend together. Like, I know when I was in... Um, when I was in Italy... And I went to Monacatini and I went to Venice. It amazed me how, like, I was literally standing in some 
you know, cobblestone that was five, six hundred years old. Right. But then there's a little, you know, internet cafe right, right here too. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but you still have, of course, like you said, the the older population still holding on to the old, you know, old traditional ways. And I like mixing. it. Yeah, no, like, it's really I could really totally neat. hang my underwear to dry and be cool with I mean, it. My grandma, like, my grandma always did, you know. She had yeah, the, the, I know. I mean, know, we did it in Laredo, so what's the big deal? Right, there you I go. I could go back to that. <laughs> like, I'd be fine with it. Well, yeah, no, in Sicily, I mean, that's an yeah. amenity I could I could forego. Right. Um, there's something really beautiful and charming about riding your bike around everywhere, about mm. everybody knowing each other, um, you know, about having a cafe with your neighbor. and I just... There's, there was one restaurant that stayed open late that everybody ended up at meeting mm-hmm. all these other people from all over the world who were also interested in living there. So it sounds like, like a very community, very communal. Super. Community. Okay. I think it's yeah. something we definitely don't have here as much. So when you it's see these over. things overseas. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to suburbia. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't believe that exists anymore. Maybe Yuppies. in small, <laughs> like, areas. You know, right. But, so... So when you arrived there, was it uh, during the like morning, evening, like night? You, it was okay, dark. So you arrived in the evening. So you go to a hotel and everything, and then like the next day, was it kind of hit the ground running? Like was it everything planned? Well, out, the next day or? I didn't have a plan. I just woke of up. Of course not. And <laughs> all they told like because like, you know my life, right? Like it's like I'm in Sicily now. <laughs> now, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had a plan for the day after. I had a tour planned mm-hmm. of, of these one euro homes, but the next day I thought I'll get into town and I'll just check it out. And see mm-hmm. who, who I can meet and chat with. Um, the next day, I was told that there was this breakfast, mm-hmm. like a continental breakfast, which was awesome. And it was gorgeous. It was on a terraza, and it overlooked a whole beautiful vineyard. Uh-huh. And I had a great book that I was reading. I'm going to plug it <laughs> also. <Shout out> time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what were um, you reading? Phil Knight's uh, Shoe Dog. Shoe dog. Uh, it was oh, okay. so inspiring, so inspiring. It was. Read it. Just read it. It's it's a great book. I don't I don't want to say too much about it, but it's right. the founder of Nike. It's the oh, story okay. Of the founder of Nike. Anyway, um, I I bought it in Austin and I finished it by the time I got to um, Italy the first night so, oh, or, wow. the, or the next morning. Um, great cappuccino, great breakfast, whatever. And then they like. Stopped what they were doing and drove me into town. Mm-hmm. I just kind of meandered. I went into the first coffee shop, and then mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, by the way, if you speak English, this is our only super great speaking English woman named Cynthia." In the whole town. In the whole town, <laughs> right? Go talk to Cynthia. Um, and she works for the the municipality, and she's part oh, of this okay. one euro program. And then Cynthia just happened to be like having a coffee at that same coffee shop, and turns out. Cynthia is from Juarez, which is a border to Mexico, like me. Well, I'm not from Juarez, but I'm from Laredo. But we had that in common, and so it was an automatic bond. And Mm -hmm. um, it became very easy to speak to her because we spoke in Spanish. And so I clung on to her, and I think she hoped she was happy to kind of, like, uh, it was, it felt like it was nice. Like, I felt like back home, Mm -hmm. I think she felt that way, too. Um, I'm sure it's exhausting for her to speak in different tongues mm-hmm. or try to right. uh, communicate. And, so and she kind of became your unofficial guide? She for, was. Okay. She was. And of course, Giuseppe Cacciopo, who is the mayor or the, I don't know what, the deputy mayor, mm-hmm. who is responsible for the program and she works with him. He's great. Um, 
and he was helpful, but he was so busy. They were all so busy. I don't think they were expecting this turnout. There were very many people. Yeah, that there. was actually my next question because obviously you weren't the only one to go there. No. Um, did they ever figure out like how many actually showed up for this? Okay, there were a total of like 5,000 by the time I got there. 5,000 people. Total. Oh, and wow. 80,000 calls. Wow. Emails, calls. Now, how many, but how many villas are there? There were only 16. So 16 yeah. total of 5,000 people showing up right. to do the bidding. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was hoping nobody knew about it, and I was the only idiot that got the CNN report. But right, yeah. Apparently not. Well, see, Damn like, that, CNN. Yeah, exactly. Why are they all over the place? Like, <laughs> can't y'all keep something quiet? It's, it's better than Fox News. So. <laughs> any day, any day, any day. <laughs> no, because I, I was actually kind of wondering that when, when you went, like, you know, how, how, stiff was the, how stiff was the competition, but... I think you possibly had maybe a leg up on the competition because you did all of a sudden meet various people who were pretty interconnected with this Yeah, thing. yeah. I was lucky. I met the right people at the right time. And I became friends with a lot of people who were genuinely mm-hmm. interested in buying. Right. And then we began to move away from the one euro bidding and move towards the private purchase of a home. Oh, I which see. Which became an option. A more viable option than trying to fight for you know, a very antiquated home that would require a lot yeah. more money to... Update. Yeah, because it sounds like that could have turned into like a quick, you know, shark frenzy, you know, frenzy, everybody trying to get their little yeah, but teeth you, into Yeah, it. I mean, it, unless you have a couple hundred thousand dollars and a lot of time to spend, mm-hmm. it's a great idea. Right, um, right. Otherwise, it's, uh, it's just... There's, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Now, when you were telling, so when you were telling about the villas, and, and even when I look at the um, the CNN uh, write up about it, they showed, of course, very nice and beautiful. Yeah, of course. Images, and that's what see. That's what I thought. So when you said villas, I'm thinking like these things are ready, much ready to go. Maybe a few no. dance here and there, but that's <laughs> that's not what it was. You told me you no, they you were compared like it to a medieval, medieval ransack or something. It was like a, the Huns invaded. <laughs> like, like, like last. <laughs> night no like a like a medieval um what is it called like a stables right right dirt floors you know really like they were just stable they look like stables i don't know how else to describe them right right so i mean they were they were oh wow loud loud door there um no like some of the ones you showed me i can definitely see the appeal because it is it has that again that charm yeah the charm old world look to it but you know the a couple you showed me were major fixer uppers like it's going to take some some time for some people to do that but what did what did you end up finding that you said i like this particular one and then what what made you gravitate to one over the other i found one particular home that worked for me but was it part of the one euro thing no okay separate private it was separate and it was private it it was it had a, at least three bedrooms, two different kitchens, and two different um, terrazzas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I like it for so many reasons. There was also room for me to refurbish furniture, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this, but um, that's now my major source of income, right. which is getting buying or stealing no i don't steal. i mean like just grabbing off <laughs> borrowing, borrowing. Bar- no i mean if someone throws something outside of, of yeah, their, well, next you know, to the garage one man's truck i take it treasure, exactly right? i take it and then i make it my um then i re- refurbish it so i enjoy doing it stress-free mm-hmm. and um and so i thought 
if I could have a place to do that here, that would be great. Um, and so this one private home actually had number one, a place for me to reside. Number right. two, a place to Airbnb. So if a whole, like a couple or another family wanted to stay, they could. Right. And number three, it had great parking and it had room for me to have a studio to work in. Yeah, are, are there a lot of cars? Were there a lot of cars there? Or was it mainly um, bicycling, walking? There or? was a lot of bicycling and walking, but there were cars. There were okay. like little tiny cars. So it's not like Venice where like there's no cars whatsoever. No, no, like, no. Okay. It's not like that. But they're like little half cars. They're like, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know what you call them. Half cars. Um, so you <laughs> <laughs> just trying to picture that again. So then, okay, so you found that. Compared to our, compared to our cars, yeah, they're no like trucks, half cars. No trucks, you know, no, no monster... Well, there was, there were, you know, it's weird. There was still, you know, a lot of Mercedes-Benz, a lot of BMWs, a lot of Range Rovers. Yeah, because they're the mafia. That's exactly (laughs) what someone explained to me, that there's a lot of leftover money. So whatever, we're not judging. No, no, hey, to each his own, you know. Right, right. (laughs) So then... So then what's 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 the what's the plan? So you found some place that you really really like and you show me the video and it really it really does look beautiful and comparatively it did not look like it was gonna require this major overhaul, you know. So what's the plan? You get it fixed up and then if you build it they will come kind of thing, Airbnb it you said and... Um So we are working towards creating a documentary on how it started on the process of like mm-hmm. the moment I got that first text message from my brother saying, check this out. Right. And then another message from a girlfriend of mine from Rome and like three in one day, pretty much. See, it's a sign. It's got to yeah, be a Yeah, you know where I, mean? where I get like, all like whimsical and I'm like, you know what? This is, I have to go. Right. right. We start with that and then we move on to the documentary to show like you just have to take a chance like when everybody thinks you're crazy mm-hmm. well don't go tell people right the ones that, that will think you're crazy because like, they'll, tell you they'll to, discourage they'll, they'll you they'll tell you to buy right? the first right right <laughs> <laughs> they'll discourage you and you don't want to be discouraged mm-hmm. um so i think most of the listeners know that i just recently battled with cancer a year and a half ago right and so there's been a massive life change or the change in approach with life, Mm -hmm. humanity, people, and how I exist. And what I was told was remove stress and sugar. Like the sugar part I'm still working on. (laughs) But stress is is something that I think I'm I'm getting a lot better at. And and you just don't know when your day comes, so you should just live. However, and you know, I don't think you need cancer. I I think a breakup, I think a loss of a job, I think, I think even even becoming an empty nester is enough to -hmm. compel a person to be introspective and say like, now what should I do? This is a new chapter in my life. And whatever it may be, taking up a new sport, traveling or Mm -hmm. gardening or whatever, just do it. Just just do whatever it is. And I think that creating a documentary that would inspire all people to not be afraid to figure it out because maybe I'm not meant to refurbish furniture. Maybe I'm not meant to to stay in Sicily, but but I'm meant but you're to not try. Until you try it, right? I right. meant to try. I'm, I'm I have the energy at mm-hmm. least enough to try and and to not give up. Right. And maybe from there something else branches out. And, right. And so it, the goal is to just remind people to live every single day. Like just soak it all up, make it happen work trek through it all mm-hmm. make meet people um 
And that's what I would love to relay in a documentary that that we can do anything and and no that it's not just an american dream or something right because i was told that when i was in sicily mm -hmm. when i ex began to explain the shoe dog story mm -hmm. they said oh that's just such an american thing and i don't think so right. i think it's a human thing um but i think that with a great community of people um a, a genuine effort by a lot of parties involved yeah it takes, takes um, a group a collective to kind of pull something right. like this off right um and then ultimately create a really cool airbnb yeah because i do foresee this place being a really cool place that everybody will want to everybody loved their their time there you can right. ask anyone um how it's really you, how adorable. could you not i mean that's the right thing. it's gonna be so unique which i think people will be naturally be attracted to that and plus, I think, too, like the idea of like, you know, a, a documentary, you know, like a web series about it. It's cool because it is a very cool story. Because, again, like you were saying, you know, you were you were this type of individual prior to you getting cancer. Right. And then you there is no way to come out the same person. It's not it's not possible. No. Because when you get that close to like mortality and something may happen to me, I mean, I can only imagine. But then you can't come out the same. So then now it's kind of cool because you're kind of crafting a brand new narrative for you. Like you really got, and not to be cliche, but you do have a now a second lease on life. It's right. Like whatever happened before, well, that doesn't matter. That was that was the you you were. And so now right. like you got this opportunity to kind of cultivate something different, and you know to to pursue that, which I think is quite commendable. And oh, yeah, I, I think thanks. something like a document would be cool for other people to see that. Yeah, maybe these are crazy ideas or crazy dreams, but the best. I don't know, the best prize is always start something crazy. I don't think I'm idea. alone. I think there are so many people sitting down right now mm -hmm. with so many cool ideas and are second guessing themselves, right. thinking, I can't do this. This is so dumb. Right. But as long as some, as long as, I mean, I'm here to tell you. It mm -hmm. was, I had my brother, not my dad, because my dad's a dream yeah. killer. He <laughs> <laughs> told me to go buy underwear first. But I mean, as long as there's someone to remind you. Like I said, Phil Knight from Shoe Dog. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, man, that book was awesome. He had, uh, while I was traveling there, I was reminded like, God, this guy, I have no desire to be a billionaire or anything like that, but, but he wanted to sell a good running shoe. Right. And he dealt with adversity. And despite everybody telling him, no, that's not a good idea. I don't mm -hmm. see that happening. No one's ever done that before. I don't believe in that. I don't believe right. in it at all. Well, that is super cool. Like I am, I am looking forward to seeing how the story continues and how it ends up. And I would definitely watch a documentary based on that. And I've just, oh, I've always enjoyed hearing your stories. Like every time you have a crazy idea, I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> this is gonna end pretty cool. We're gonna have a good laugh or conversation about it. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing hearing more about this. Yeah, so, and the documentary know. should should trace, like I said, from the very beginning, right, to the final moment where we actually have. Um, the Airbnb yeah. set in place. Like I said, this this is your uh, this is your eat, pray, love moment. But uh, the Deborah, yeah. the Deborah Texican gypsy <laughs> version. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you but, very yeah. much for letting me you know come on the podcast and interact well, with you here. Very yeah, fun. thanks for this, Thomas. Absolutely. And I look forward to uh, maybe providing some great. Uh, I don't know visuals. Yeah, no, it'll your look, work. It'll look great. All right, we have okay. a great day. Awesome. Ciao. <laughs>